Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. Well, it's brilliant to be with you. Um, brilliant to meet new people. Brilliant to see all that God is doing. And, um, and to input to this, uh, well, it's not a new series anymore, is it? It's sort of a few weeks old, this, this series of teaching on walking this way. And, um, and, and, and to say something about what it is to be people who are men and women of the kingdom of God living in a, uh, a post-Christian and increasingly anti-Christian environment and doing so brilliantly, which is what we're doing. Um, and, I, and I really like this little simple three-word title because it draws our attention, first of all, to, to, to the way or the direction of our lives, the choices we make about the way we're going to live, about the direction, about the, the focus, the orientation of our lives. It obviously... <laughs> draws our attention to, he's the loudest snorer in the world, isn't he? I remember this from last time. Amazing. And I thought, what's that noise? And it's, uh, yeah, I, it's all coming back to me from last, last time he was asleep. Um, it secondly draws our attention, Jesus said, I am the way. And we're walking this way. If we put a microphone to his lips now, we'd uh, be hilarious. Um, but the other thing about this title, Walk This Way, it's a great, it doesn't matter at all, by the way, please, I'm not, that's absolutely fine. Um, I, I love the idea that it, it helps us think about our walk, our walk with God. And um, I'm always, please don't take him out on, uh, on account of the noise, it's absolutely fine, it's absolutely fine, it really is. Oh, it's fine, don't worry. Um, I'm always... Uh, intrigued and, and I think it's really profound that the, the first thing that Jesus is recorded as saying to Peter is follow me yeah in, in I think at least three of the gospels that's recorded that, that, that Jesus uh, says to Peter and his brother follow me and when you get to the end of John's gospel right at the end the last thing Jesus says to Peter having given him those, those three opportunities to, to confess his commitment to Jesus, the last thing he says is, follow me. Uh, and three years later, despite um, all that Peter's been through, the instruction is still as simple, follow me. So this is very much about those things. It's about the, it's about the decisions we make, the choices we make about about the direction in our lives, it's about Jesus, the way, and it's about our walk with him, following Jesus. I thought it'd be interesting just to ask, um, how many people have been walking with God, as we might say, for, let's say, um, has anybody been walking with God for more than 50 years? Kate, but Kate, and I did, I thought it might be Julian and Kate, I didn't want to, <laughs> having already drawn attention to one little boy, I didn't want to uh, draw attention to um, a couple of seniors amongst us, let me just say that. I'm really skating on thin ice now. <laughs> it, it, there's only one way from here, it's upwards. How, okay, so Julian and Kate have been walking with God for more than 50 years, I think that deserves... Yeah. Something of a 
of an honouring for... Has anybody been walking with the Lord for more than... or in between 40 and 50 years? Actually, we're, we're coming up... No, we're not quite. For, between 40 and 50 years. Fantastic. What's about between 30 and 40 years walking with the Lord? Jenny, that was... Hmm. What's about between um, 20 and 30 years walking with God, walking this way, between 20, over 20 years with the Lord. What about between 10 and 20 years? 10 and 20 years, yeah? What's about um, between five and 10 years? And what's about in the last five years? You started your walk with the Lord. Anybody start their walk with the Lord in the last five years? Okay, well, we need to change that. <laughs> Deborah and I have been um, walking with God for coming up to 40 years. We're just in that 30 to 40 year uh, bracket. And I always think it's a real tragedy when you hear of somebody who, quote unquote, is not walking with God anymore. Yeah? I think that's, that's such a tragic statement. They're not walking with God anymore. And, um, and we all know people who, who have walked, maybe walked with us and maybe started out on our journey with us. It's great. For, I, love, I loved um, what Esther said by way of introduction there. And I, I remember that. You came to stay with, with Beth, I think, didn't you? And came and stayed, or was it Beth or Charlotte? And came and stayed at our little house in Leicester and then, then became our babysitter. Yes. She probably changed Benji's nappy at one point. I, I can't remember. <laughs> I told you there's only one way. And um, no, I don't know whether that happened or not. I really don't. But people who, who once walked with us and for some reason they're not walking with God anymore. I always just think that's such a tragic thought. Um, in Isaiah chapter 40, it says this. You'll know these verses. Those, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. And I sometimes think, which is better? To soar, to run, or to walk? And of course, it, it depends. There isn't a, a, an obvious answer to that. But, but it's better to keep walking than to soar but drop from a great height. It's better to keep walking than to run and run out of steam. And if you could put the, um, the, the slide up, uh, Steve. I want to talk it, uh, about four friends for the journey, but, but there's, a, there's a verse in John's Gospel where Jesus says this. We know this verse. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go out and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. It, it says something about um, longevity, staying, fruit that remains. And so uh, I want us to have all those things in our minds uh, this morning. I want to still be walking when my children are my present age, and when my grandchildren are their present age. Uh, and whatever else comes beyond that, I want to still be walking. I'm inspired by, by the patriarchs, and we read about Enoch and Noah, and it just simply says they walked with God. What a, what a, 
um, eulogy, what's his statement about one's life? They walked with God. Or family members that have done the same thing. And, 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 but the reality is, it's not always easy. It's not always easy to walk with God. There are challenges along the way, and it's easy to veer off track. One of the things I'm most evangelistic about is the OS app. The Ordnance Survey app. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've converted loads of people to, to the OS app. And it's so good because it's, 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 it's the Ordnance Survey map of Britain. Has anybody got the OS app on their phone? Oh, I need to improve. Yes. Yeah, no, come on. We, we should be loud and proud about this. And we've got the OS app on our phone. And as well as having the whole of the UK with Ordnance Survey mapping on it, it also has GPS. And it is so brilliant because... Literally, if you veer within a few metres off the path, it will, it will alert you, tell you. There's something brilliant about, um, about walking and, and, and sticking to the path, but it's easy to veer off the walk with him. It's easy to veer off. It's, it, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to lose strength and to f- feel weak or to become discouraged. It's not easy to be an Enoch or a Noah. And um, for me, over the last 39 years, there have been challenges. There have been uh, significant choices to make at different crossroads. Um, when I finished, decided to finish the career I was in, or, or was thinking about some of the at least three occasions where Deborah and I received really, um, really weighty requests to relocate up to Durham once. Um, across to Wolverhampton once. I thought about moving up to Wakefield many years ago as well. There were, there were weighty, um, kind of crossroad-like decisions to be made. There were, there's been, there've been disappointments. There've been the friends I've talked about who, who've um, left or fallen away. Churches who've, whose outcomes have been really disappointing. There's been uh, relationships that have been tested. There's been hopes deferred. And we all know that makes the heart sick. Things I was believing for that haven't happened yet. Uh, and there's been many times where I've, where I've not been at my best. I've, not, I've known I've not been sharp or as, as in the walk as I should have been. So, I mean, I don't know whether you can relate to any of this. Um, times where, um, if I'm honest, I, I, I won't say I've lost my way, but I've, but I've veered off track a little bit. The walk can be tough. And it's especially hard if we're walking alone. One of, um, one of the programs Deborah and I are really enjoying at the moment is, is New Lives in the Wild, Ben Fogel's program, New Lives in the Wild. If the OS question was embarrassing, is anybody into New Lives in the Wild with Ben Fogel? Yes! So a shout out. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a great series about people that have kind of moved off grid in some way and how they're, what the choices they made to do that. But there was one, the first one I ever saw, which is only about a year ago, where uh, Ben Fogel met up with a, with a man named Chris who, whose life had sort of was in a bit of free fall and he decided to uh, start walking. And he left his home in Swansea and he began walking around the coast of Wales. Did you see this one, Lorna? Yeah, walking around, around the coast of Wales, up, up the side of the coast of Wales, up beyond Wales into sort of northern England. And then um, 
I don't know how pre-planned all of this was, but eventually he decided he'd just keep going and walk around the coastline of the British Isles, including all the islands. It was incredible. It took him five years. And when he was at the north of Scotland, he was alone on a beach somewhere and a girl came into view and they got chatting and, and he met the girl, Kate, and they got together and she finished the second half of the walk with him. They had a baby. And Ben Fogle just absolutely loved meeting them and was, was got very moved and inspired by their story. But um, this man was walking alone for two and a half years and there was a lot of stuff going on in him. But I, I noticed he'd, he'd written a book and um, the book is called, get the title here, How I Found Family by Walking the UK's Coastline. And at halfway around, he met this girl and, and, and they started a family together. How I Found Family by Walking the UK's Coastline. I thought that's a great title and a great thought. God wants us in our walk with him to do it as family, yes. not to do it alone. It's really vital that we realise we were designed to walk this way together yes. and to not be isolated, to not be distant, distanced from others. It, it really matters who we're walking with. And I'm guessing there's a lot of people in this room, people from all who, who are here today but have come through various routes and ways and journeys and stories up to this point. And I'm pretty sure if I said, um, have you discovered that it matters who you're walking with, there'd be a resounding amen. Yeah? It really matters who we're walking with and um, who's, who's in, within touching distance, who's, who's, who's within sight, who we can look to around us. And so today, long intro, I want to talk about four friends who will really help you and me to walk this way, to walk his way, to do so with consistency, with steadfastness fruit-bearing, friends that will help us to keep walking and to do so really well and really fruitfully. I've known these four friends, still do. Uh, you may already have friends like this. If you do, cherish those friendships. If you don't, perhaps we can help you find them. And, um, and for the first three friends I'm going to mention, it's not just a case of saying, we all need friends like this. It's also a case of saying, we all need to be friends like this. Okay? So the first friend we need on the journey, Steve, if you put that one up, is a Barnabas. What do we know about Barnabas? Just hands up. Shout out something we know about Barnabas. He, who said that? He did. He encouraged people. In fact, his name means son of encouragement. Uh, I'd like you to turn with me to, to these references up here, if you can read that tiny little writing. Acts 4.36. Acts 4.36, which says Joseph, that was his proper name, met Christopher for the first time today, which was a blessing. I immediately called him Chris, 
which I think was okay because he then told me that he used to get called Christopher when he was about to be told off. <laughs> Joseph, a Levite and a Cypriot by birth, whom the apostles named Barnabas, which means, which is translated son of encouragement, he sold a field he owned and he brought the money and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Um, if you just move ahead to Acts 11, there's lots we could say about, about Barnabas. He, um, he later, he, he spoke up for Saul, newly converted, former persecutor of the church, and Barnabas spoke up for him, affirmed him. He then, um, in Acts chapter 10, um, he goes to find Saul. I beg your pardon, this is in Acts 11, and we're going to read this now. Um, Acts 11, verse 22. Uh, there are, this, is, this is because um, there's some, God has been at work in Antioch. And so the apostles in Jerusalem, it says, when the report about this reached the ears of the church in Jerusalem, they sent Barnabas to travel as far as Antioch. And when he arrived and he saw the grace of God, he was glad and he encouraged all of them. He's doing what he, this is why they called him this, because he's an encourager. He encouraged them. Uh, verse 24 says, uh, For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and large numbers of people were added to the Lord. And then, verse 25, he went to Tarsus to search for Saul, and he brought him to Antioch, and for, two, uh, for um, a year they met with the church, and large numbers became disciples, and they were first called Christians in Antioch. So Barnabas is this, this friend who will speak up for you, encourage you, cheer you on. Later on, he, he speaks up for his cousin, Mark. And the first friend you need on the wall, the first friend I need, is a Barnabas. Yeah. That kind of friend. Somebody who will advocate for you. Somebody who will cheer you on. I wonder if I could get a few volunteers just to read a, read a verse in a moment. Benj? Phil. Okay, Benj, if you could read um, Deuteronomy 3.28, Phil, Acts 14.22. Anybody else? Yep, um, if you could read uh, Woody, Romans 1, 11 and 12. Anybody else? Volunteering for to read, yes. If you could read um, Ephesians 6.22. Steve, um, 1 Thessalonians 3, verse 2. Margaret, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 18. Uh, anybody over here? Jenny, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 11. And the last one, Tim, Hebrews 10, 25. I want us to read these because... The New, Test the, New Test the, the whole of the scriptures, but the New Testament especially, has a lot to say about encouragement. And I want us to dispel any, dispel any idea that it's the weak who need encouraging. It isn't. It's a New Testament necessity to be encouraged. The first, the first verse is actually in the Old Testament, but the rest are from the New Testament. So uh, the first one is... Um, is Deuteronomy 3, verse 28. I did check all these this morning. They should work. <laughs> they should have the word encouragement in them, some, in them somewhere. I 
Okay, I'll be the, I'll be 28. Okay. Okay. So prepare to just hear something about the importance of being encouraged. But commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him for he will lead this people across and will cause them to inherit the land that you will see. Joshua, this massive ministry who's about to take the people into the land and he needs encouraging. Phil, we're into the New Testament now. Yeah. Paul and Barnabas strengthen the believers. They encourage them to continue in the faith, reminding them that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. They encourage them. Woody. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Amen. What a great way to approach a gathering. We're going to be mutually encouraged this morning. I'm going to encourage people and I'm going to be encouraged. Yeah, sure. Oh, okay, sorry. Ephesians 6.22 Whom I have sent to you for this very purpose, that you may know our fears and that he may comfort your heart. Comfort your heart. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, Steve? And we sent Timothy to visit you. He is our brother and God's co-worker. In proclaiming the good news of Christ, we sent him to strengthen you, to encourage you in your faith. Paul, Paul sent people for the sole purpose of encouraging the church they were sent to. Isn't that amazing? Oh, sorry, Margaret. So encourage each other with these words. Encourage, that's a word to all of us. Uh, I bet Jenny was next, yep. So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. Amen. Not neglecting to gather together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Amen. Okay, I'll, let me take that back. We need to be great encouragers of one another. Encourage one all the more as you see the day. Don't stay away from the gatherings, but meet together and encourage each other. Come with an attitude of, of intending to be mutually encouraged. I, I, honestly, that's how I approach every gathering I'm in. I'm going to be really encouraged this morning. And, I'm going, and I'm going to, I pray this morning I've been able to, be, to encourage you. I've come with that purpose, to encourage you, to strengthen you. Because we need, not because we're weak, but because we're strong. And getting stronger. I'm so grateful for people like Barnabas who've encouraged me, lifted me up, spurred me on, written to me, called me, heard God and texted me, left me, I've got a friend at the moment who, who sends me voice notes. I've just about worked out how to listen to them. And every time I do, they're super encouraging. I'll go down and Deborah will say, heard from Chris again, have you? <laughs> Which I have. Um, I rang the doorbell when we most needed it, told us we could do it, cheered us on. And um, I want to just say, uh, I'm going to spend the longest on this point because it just feels so simple and straightforward to us, doesn't it? Do you know, um, you can, I go into different places, you can always measure almost, um, it's like a barometer of how encouraged a place is. You can feel it. And, and the ministry of encouragement will shape and define the kind of church we're becoming. Encouragement helps create an atmosphere 
an environment, a, a climate, a context of faith, of hope, of belief, of an expectation that God will respond to. God looks, the Son of God looks for faith on the earth. And, and, and an environment in which we are encouraged, not in an unreal way, but in, but in a real, authentic way. We're encouraged. It creates the kind of environment that is super attractive to the Holy Spirit to come and do what only he can do. So I want to encourage you to be a Timothy, to be a Tychicus, who's the one that we were hearing about earlier on, to be that person who hears from God and gets in touch, who sends that card or that message, who takes time to say, well done. Let's up the ante. Let's create a church environment that's buzzing with encouragement and expectation. We need a Barnabas. We all need a Barnabas. We can all be a Barnabas. Amen. The second, um, the second friend we need is a Nathan. Okay, so I'm, I'm into, I'm into, the, this is Old Testament now, but anybody tell me anything about Nathan? He's a prophet. He's a prophet to King David. Anybody know anything else about Nathan? God sent him to, you know, help David find out the sin he had committed. <laughs> well, very well put, yes. Let's turn to 2 Samuel 12. This is one of the most um, spine-tingling kind of stories. This man, Nathan, is a prophet to King David, who had quite a reputation, deservedly so. King David, the man who was in the line of brothers and he's the one who God had chosen because his heart was right. Not because he was head and shoulders above the others like Saul had been, but because he had a heart after God. He was God's choice for the throne. Saul was the people's choice. David was God's choice. David, David loved the Lord. David wrote uh, a massive proportion of the Psalms. David um, knew God, but, but there's a moment that we're all aware of that things were not as they needed to be. David had um, seen Bathsheba on a roof and had arranged for her to be brought to him, committed adultery with her. And then in his desire to cover it somehow, he arranged for her husband Uriah to be put on the front line in the battle and effectively arranged his, his killing, his murder. And um, chapter 11 of 2 Samuel just ends with these words. Well, first, the last verse, 27. When the time of mourning had ended, David had her, Bathsheba, brought to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. However, the Lord considered what David had done to be evil. So the Lord sent Nathan, the, when I say we all need a Nathan, it's not because, just to just ease the pressure a little bit. I'm going to generalize this in a moment. This is the specifics, okay. The Lord sent Nathan to David, and when he arrived, he said to him, there were two men in a certain city, one rich and the other poor. 
The rich man had a large number of sheep and cattle, but the, but the poor man had nothing except one small ewe lamb that he had brought, bought. It lived and grew up with him and his children. It shared his meagre food and drank from his cup. It slept in his arms and it was like a daughter to him. And now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man could not bring himself to take one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for the traveler who'd come to him. Instead, he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for his guest. David was infuriated with the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this deserves to die because he's done this thing and shown no pity. He must pay four lambs for that lamb. Nathan replied to David, you are the man. And this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house to you and your master's wives into your arms. And I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And listen to this. And if that were not enough, I would have given you even more. I've been paralyzed by that verse this week. I would have given you even more. Why then have you despised the command of the Lord by doing what I considered evil? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife as your own wife. You murdered him. Wow. He took his life. He took his wife. Then he took his life. And God considered it evil. And I'm not sharing that story because I've had a word of knowledge that somebody needs that specific this morning. But, but I do believe this. We all need a Nathan. We all need somebody who will tell us the truth who will bring us back on track if we need it, who will not be intimidated in any way. Doesn't mean they're not encouraging, but they will be real with us. They will not tell us things are okay when they're not okay because they love us so much. They're such a good friend that they will, they will do and say whatever we need to help us keep walking. Yeah. We all need a Nathan. I trust none of us ever need a Nathan to say what this Nathan said to that King David. But we do all need to be accountable. There's scriptures in 1 Corinthians that talk about the body that we're all part of. And the body, is, the body suffers when one part suffers. The body is honoured when one part is honoured. And so we're together in this. It, 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 I, I, my success is Becky's success. None of us win until we've all crossed the line. Yeah. So, so we, we all need a Nathan. Somebody, uh, offer the, the people that have spoken into my life like that, first of all, Deborah, in her prophetic gift, and because she loves me, will tell me if something I think okay is not okay. There's a reality, a reality check. I've got other great friends who at times, and I won't go into all the details because it'd be incredibly embarrassing, <laughs> who've just spoken the word that was needed. I will mention Ted and Esther Kent, who a few of you will remember. A lovely, well, they were, they were a senior couple, a truly senior couple, and in their 80s, when I was getting all wrapped up with some stuff that had really disappointed me, really hurt, had become a thing I could not get over two or three years later. And Esther brought the word of the Lord to me. The, the shortened version would be, forgive them and get over it. 
and it was so helpful. I, I, I honestly not sure I'd be, the last 20 years would have been what they have been if it hadn't been for Esther Kent, woman of God, prophetic voice speaking to me in that way at that time. But we all need neighbor. I'm so grateful for people. And I want to encourage you to be a friend who loves your friends enough to help them stay the course in whatever way that looks like, to help them get back on track, whatever that looks like, to help them keep bearing fruit, whatever that looks like. If you want to walk this way, find a Nathan and be a Nathan. Amen? The third friend is a Jonathan. Anybody know something about this man? I've gone back in time with each of these. This, this was the first event, really, and I've, I've worked backwards, but Shep. <coughs> totally committed to David. He was a prince. Yeah, he was Saul's son. Yeah. Uh, and actually, um, he would have ascended to the throne. Yeah. But, he, but he knew David was God's man, and he stepped aside <coughs> to make way for somebody else to fulfill their destiny. And he makes a covenant with David, and we'll read this in 1 Samuel, we're going back, 1 Samuel 18. One Samuel 18, um, after David has killed Goliath, long before David is king, or a few years before. 1 Samuel 18 says, When David had finished speaking with Saul, Jonathan, Saul's son, committed himself to David, I like that you've used that word. He was committed to him. Committed himself to David and loved him as much as he loved himself. Saul kept David with him from that day on and did not let him return to his father's house. Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as much as himself. It's told us that twice. That must be important. Then Jonathan, listen to this removed his robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his military tunic, his sword, his bow, and his belt. That's a whole sermon in itself. This man, Jonathan, stepped aside, made himself vulnerable, disrobed, disarmed, prioritized and preferred his friend, whom he loved as himself and protected him later, literally saves David's life, laid aside his own ambitions, if he had any, to enable David to fulfill all that God had for him. And the third friend you and I need is a Jonathan. A friend like Jonathan who will walk with you through thick and thin, committed, it's the word that Shep used, committed to you who will express covenant love to you, who will express faithfulness, who sees you at your worst and at your best and loves you consistently. Those kinds of relationships are precious beyond words. Wow. And um, such friends are to be cherished. Such relationships are to be guarded. I am so grateful for people like Jonathan in my life who've demonstrated and committed that kind of covenant love, 
where we've enjoyed, still enjoy those kind of vulnerable relationships, where the protective armour can come off, the sword can be put down, we can prefer one another. I hope I've been that kind of friend to others because I've so appreciated having that kind of friend. I want us to make that our aim. It's probably impossible to have that kind of relationship with everybody, but, but, but I think we all need to find somebody and be somebody with that kind of depth of relationship. That's really key to walking this way, to following Jesus and living in his kingdom. So we all need a Barnabas, we all need a Nathan, we all need a Jonathan. It's impossible, I think, to walk this way without friends like that who bring encouragement, who bring correction when we need it and would lay down our, their lives for us and want only the best for us. And I'm so grateful to Julian and Kate who've been friends like that for, well, I've not known them 50 years, obviously, but a long time. Julian and I were elders together in Rock of Life Church in 1996. That's nearly 30 years ago, Julian. Stephen and Mandy, you aren't here. Phil and Sharon, we've only known them 10 years, but we're so grateful for that friendship. Others, we, others so many that we are so blessed by, for whom uh, I could honestly say, we could honestly say, we would not be walking the walk the way we've been able to without such friendships. But there's another friend we need even more than those three. Jesus called him the paraclete. If you'd put the next slide up, Steve, the greatest friend of all is the Holy Spirit. Jesus, I say, calls him the paraclete. You probably know that word. It's translated in a lot of versions as the helper or the comforter or the advocate or the counsellor but one thing I love about the message translation is it calls him the friend. I love that, the friend. And I want to read these verses, uh, John 14, uh, a couple of sections there, and then from John, John 16, from the message translation. I will talk to the Father, and he'll provide you another friend, capital F, so that you will always have someone with you. This friend is the spirit of truth. I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you of all the things I've told you. I'm leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you. Chapter 16. But when the friend comes the spirit of the truth, he will take you by the hand and guide you into all the truth there is. Wow. The Holy Spirit. Jesus' parting gift to us will lead us and walk with us and guide us. Did you hear that? Into all the truth there is. Wow. What a friend. We need a Barnabas. We need a Nathan. We need a Jonathan. We need flesh and blood. But if we're to walk this way, the greatest friend we have, the greatest need we have, is the Holy Spirit. Yes. Our greatest friend. He will, and if you've experienced this, just as I'm sharing that, 
I'd like you to be really vocal with me. Benji encouraged us early on to, to do, make declarations. It's really important we, we, fill the, we fill the environment with our spoken word. The word has the power of life and death. So, so if you've found these things to be true, if, if in your relationship with the Holy Spirit you've found these things to be true, just, just affirm that, just, just amen this. You know. um, he, um, he encourages us. He will correct us. He definitely, he definitely has a Nathan ministry. If you, if you ever want to know, Lord, is, is everything right right now? J- just take some time and you can be sure a laser beam will come in and pinpoint the very thing that needs putting right. He makes it so easy. It's fantastic. He will correct us. He will be with us forever. He'll help us to fulfill our destiny. He's God's gift to us. He's sent to, sent to us to walk with us. He loves you. He's totally for you. He will never let you down. He will help you make the right choices at every crossroads. He will nudge you when you start to veer off track. He will give you feedback on your character ah, and your attitudes. Honestly, it's terrible at the time, but we really need it. <laughs> he will help you pray. He'll give you a heavenly prayer language, a praise language. He'll open the scriptures to you. He'll, he'll move you in to prophesy. He'll reveal wisdom. He'll reveal knowledge to you. In my life, those, those big crossroad moments, would you move to Wakefield? Would you move to Durham? Will you join us in Wolverhampton? Would you consider moving to the US and, and, and going to Grand Rapids? And in every moment, it was the witness of the Spirit who helped us make the right decisions. He will help us. So if you want to walk this way, I'm finishing with this. We need to develop our friendship with our greatest friend. Spend time with him. Talk with him. Ask his opinion. Listen carefully. Obey what he says. And do all we can to avoid resisting him. Quenching him. Grieving him in any way. He's, he's a person, not an it. He's God, given to live in us, to walk with us, not, not alongside us, to walk in us on the journey. It's a tremendous privilege to be in the line of Peter and the other disciples through the years who've been called to follow me. And it's as simple as that, to follow me. It's a tremendous privilege. It's the most significant thing we could do with our lives. And, and to do so together is awesome. To do, so, to do so together at this time, in this place, to be called to be a fantastic corporate expression of his way in this place, in this town. And it requires all of us to be the kinds of friends I've been describing. Encouragers. Correctors, affirmers, and um, covenant expressions of, of friendship. And, and so I want to leave it there with you guys and just say, let us be friends like this. But above all, 
let us develop our relationship with our greatest friend, the Holy Spirit. And I feel this morning, as we're going, to, we're going to worship the Lord again in a moment, just express our love and our thanks. Um, I really would love to, to pray for you if, if this morning you say, well, first, first of all, if you're here and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, then while we're singing, I'm sitting over there with Deborah, just, just come, come and let us know. We'd, we'd love to help you make that start. Start the journey, start the walk. Also would love to pray for you if, if this morning you just feel, I want to deepen my relationship with the Holy Spirit. I want to hear from him more clearly. I want to read the word and, and find he's talking to me. I want to speak in tongues. If, if, it's, if, if, you, if you know this morning my relationship with him Needs to, needs to really go a step deeper, then we'd love to pray for you. It's kind of the most significant thing we could do, we could do really, is give you as much of him as you're open to. Amen. So Lord, thank you so much for calling us to follow you on this way, to walk this way, to walk your way. Lord, help us, I pray, to be great friends of the kind who contribute to a church in which you are able to move in power, in which you find um, all the foundations are here for the building work. Help us to be friends like that, Lord. Friends who encourage, friends who keep one another on track. Friends who love each other deeply. And Lord, this morning, help us to embrace the greatest friend of all, the great encourager, the great counsellor, the great helper, the great advocate, the great comforter. And as we turn our hearts to you in, in praise and worship, Lord, at the end of this gathering, Lord, help us to make some really quality decisions in our hearts this morning. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching.